Episode 63, Jack Daniel <laughs> teaches Matt X how to use a microphone. Put it near your mouth. Welcome to the Mac DevOps YVR podcast. This podcast is about the Mac DevOps YVR conference in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. We interview guests and discuss topics around managing Macs using open source software products inspired by DevOps. Our goal is to encourage developers and IT to work together to solve problems for our community. For more information, see our website, mdoyvr.com. This is the Mac DevOps Podcast. Thanks for joining us on the Mac DevOps Podcast. Uh, we are joined today by two lovely, beautiful, and intelligent speakers at Mac DevOps 2021. Uh, welcome, Chaba, and welcome, Armin. Chaba, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. Considering it's 6 a.m., I'm doing well. <laughs> uh, it's a, some kind of torture. Yes, I'm sorry. Uh, it's late here and early there. Never a perfect middle ground. Welcome to virtual world. Armin, how are you doing this morning? I am doing fine, thank you. As I've said earlier, at my age, it's easier to get up early than to stay up late. So, And, and the cats are happy because they've already been fed. Everything is good. <laughs> ah, the lucky felines. Yeah, when I wake up early to go for an early morning swim, I have to sneak out of the house so the cat doesn't jump on me and <laughs> demand its food early. It's like, no, 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 I'm leaving now. You, you, Because if, if, as soon as I leave the house, if I fed the cat, someone's going to wake up and feed the cat again because our cat is perfect, you know, food actor, acting for food. So That's what they do. I mean, that's their job, right? They have nothing else to do. Do you have any pets, uh, Chaba? Um, not right now, but I had cats in the past, so I know what are you talking about. Well, you you have kids. That's like pets. Uh, no. <laughs> no? <laughs> but I have kids. <laughs> pets are easier to deal with. I have a three-year-old daughter and a seven-year-old son. Oh, wow. You have your hands full. When they're teenagers, yeah. they, they are more like pets than when they're that age. Because they sleep all day long and you just feed them occasionally. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and yeah. they want to be left alone. Right. And it's, it's, <laughs> Until yeah. they want attention and then they want all of your attention. <laughs> they, they go into the uh, cat phase of life. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful guest number one. Chaba, introduce yourself, please. My name is uh, Chaba Fitzel. I'm working at uh, Offensive Security as a content developer. So I'm creating security trainings. And I live in Hungary, and I, in the past couple of years, I did like to do macOS security research, break stuff, and also protect stuff. And actually, this is why I'm here, <laughs> because I wrote to, to actually protect Mac instead of breaking. Nice. Beautiful guest number two. Please introduce yourself, Armin. <laughs> well, I'm Armin Briegel. Um, I write a weblog scripting OS X. Um, I also write books for Mac admins, and I'm a freelance consultant. So, yeah, I don't have quite that fun story as Chaba did. <laughs> I, I feel a little embarrassed now. <laughs> scripting, scripting OS X. I mean, there's a story. I mean, I started that weblog more than 10 years ago, and um, I, I've always enjoyed scripting. I mean, I, I, the first Mac I got came with Mac OS 7.1 and back then it was called macOS 7 Pro and one of the new features was Apple Script back then. Ooh, yeah, and Apple I, Script. I played around with it and I was in my teens then and then 
you know, you have connections, you talk with people, and people ask you, well, can you write me a script for my FileMaker database? And you're a teenager, and you're like, yeah, of course, you do that. And they give you money for it. <laughs> and um, that, that was a pretty amazing experience, of course. And um, it's always been, scripting has been my thing, like this small glue code you put in between things to make things work. So I obviously wanted something with scripting in my domain name and scripting.com was already taken by Dave Weiner and I had to do a bit more, be a bit more specific. And back then scripting OS X seemed like a good idea because Mac OS X was 10 years old already. And of course, Apple would call their operating system that forever, right. which I was turned out ask to be <laughs> true yeah. for another 10 years and <laughs> until last year. And now I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe I have to change is scripting Mac OS available? I, I have not. I, I actually have scripting Macs and scripting Mac OS, maybe. I have to check. Yes, scripting Mac OS and scripting Macs. Scripting they redirect. Mac OS may, maybe would be good. Yeah. Something with maybe. Yeah. But maybe who knows how long card. we still will have Mac. I mean, should I have scripting right. Apple? The M- M1 was supposed to be a Mac chip, and now it's going in an iPad? Yeah. Maybe just M with an asterisk, you know, M1, M2, you know, match anything, you know, wildcard it. I, I will be scripting OS X until I find the proper replacement. Until then, yes, we have this anachronism. And I'm scripting OS X on Twitter and in the Mac Admin Slack and pretty everywhere else, I think. So, so this also confirms it is OS X and not OS X. Well, I did work at Apple for 10 years, or nearly 10 years, so that is ingrained into me. Um, <laughs> so I have overcome the fact that if somebody says OS X, I don't correct them automatically anymore, um, <laughs> which you have to do when you're an Apple employee, or had to do. Now now they they got rid of that problem, finally. They fired all those employees? Oh, no, <laughs> I mean they moved to OS 11, I'm sorry. <laughs> Mac DevOps. What the heck is Mac DevOps? It's a conference where we try to get IT people who are used to the old ways of on-prem servers and Mac deployment to learn how to use the cloud, learn how to use open source software, learn how to use commercial software with a lot of open source or shared scripts and um, programs and projects that people are sharing across the world. It's a conference to try and to encourage people to work together and to build the community. And as we're building all these awesome scripts and using open source, uh, something that's come up a lot is security. What is security? How do we secure our computers? Um, What is uh, this very important thing that Apple is pushing on us all the time with security updates? And so in this theme of security uh, that is paramount all around us, we have been trying to invite a lot of different security experts to Mac uh, DevOps to give us some, you know, detailed, in-depth uh, security talks. And Chaba, you've been putting on some amazing talks uh, around the world and started this really good blog series about launch agents and persistence um, beyond the good old launch agents. Tell us how you got into uh, security and what made you, led you to the path of starting this blog series. So for security, in the past, I used to be a network engineer for many, many years. And then one day... Um, I met with one of my friends and he said that, hey, I made a, a training called Ethical Hacker. And I was thinking, yeah, it, it, it sounds cool. And and I went to the same training and and it was really cool. And from that point, there was no turning back. 
uh, that was like nine years ago. So this is how I got into security. Uh, I actually didn't got to Mac security till the past two years. And I was more like a Windows guy or, or infrastructure guy for security. And then I started to do Mac stuff uh, for the past two years. And I'm mostly only doing Mac stuff uh, since then. And for launch agents, there is a very famous blog post series for the Windows world called the Beyond the Good Old Run Key made by Adam, who is Hexacorn on, on Twitter. And he has like over 100 uh, posts in that series about various persistence for Windows. And I was thinking for, for a very long time that it would be cool to have something like that for Mac. And, and I started it. Actually, it turned out that I wasn't the first with this idea. Someone else also started doing that three years ago, but he kind of ended it after three posts. Uh, so I talked to him that, hey, can I use the name? <laughs> and he said, yeah, fine, uh, go ahead. And then I started the series and be live for for a long time. I mean, it's amazing, like um, that uh, serial or periodic TV show where every week or every couple of days of persistence and and uh, it's been fun. The enemy of a standard Mac sysadmin or a sysadmin or an IT person is is just the part about uh, you know the I call it the uh, Z shell, but the the you know the the shell scripts. Uh, when you have the environment, uh, you, you can. I mean, Armin will, will chime in about this too. But I just remember in my old days in VFX, trying to figure out how to load environment variables for all the people in my visual effects company. So you're like, oh, I can make a dot profile, but I have to load that into everyone's user account. Oh no, I'll just use Etsy profile. Now I'll load it for everybody. You know, so. On the one hand, as a IT person, you're trying to figure out how do I make this thing work for everybody or the, all these people in my company. And then as a hacker, you're like, so how does Unix work? Oh, if this shell loads, uh, and now in the new days, if terminal loads with full disk profile, and you've got all these shell, you know, files that are going to just going to load up, and you've got all these crazy, you know, environment variables and scripts loaded in there and snuck in there, and I mean, how does how, how do we protect against this? <laughs> uh, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. And and actually reading sysadmin blog posts or or write-ups or books, it's it's very great to find stuff that people usually don't know about. And then you can start <laughs> thinking, ah, that sounds cool. How can I abuse this? <laughs> so yeah, sysadmin yeah. sysadmin stuff is a great resource for for security people. I mean, it was it was that great uh, post in, in one of the dev forums about, oh, I can't get uh, the new beta version of macOS to join uh, with my AD credentials. Oh, just type in root. And we found that that works. You, you know, that was this really nice with little no password. You know, yeah, oh, yeah. It just, <laughs> just I mean, root, no password. Somebody, <laughs> you know, sysadmins, we're always trying to figure out a workaround and we never have time to put our NASA engineer hat and figure out why it's broken or maybe, full, you know, some of us in the community spend more time because maybe that's just the focus of our jobs. Like Armin here, who's you know spending ten years on a book. You know he's got so many awesome books out. Uh, he spends quality time. I mean, there's some amazing animations when you open your books app. Uh, and you, some of those, uh, the Pelis book had a lot of really good animations and videos. And you've made some really quality books, and they're really well researched. Uh, 
Armin, uh, you probably have a lot of good material for Chaba to exploit. Uh, <laughs> tell us about some of the books you've written. <laughs> I, I definitely have some ideas. I think we might need to talk. And um, <laughs> um, I started in 2016 after we moved back to uh, Europe. I, I had some time on my hands and, and wanted to um, still do stuff. And that was the start for, hey, I should write that book I've always wanted to write about. That, that book never happened, but, you know, you, you start something and it doesn't work out quite the well you, way you want to. But um, the first book I then published was um, Packaging for Apple Administrators, which has a lot of options for persistence right there. And then I, I wrote some more over the time. I've managed to publish one every year except for, well, 2020, which, you know, well, that what was happened? 2020. Come on. <laughs> what happened with that year? <laughs> I I am planning to make it up uh, this year. I I already published one this year about terminal and the shell, which is a basic entry into how to use terminal on macOS. And I am working on the next book, which I hope will be ready later this summer, on scripting, um, because that is the most common question I see on the Mac admin Slack. Is is there any good book? On scripting macOS? Not yet. Yeah, I haven't found one yet. If there is one, please. I mean, then, then I can stop working and work on something else. But <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying. I, I hope it will be good. Well, I know it'll be good. But uh, you also did a property list book and uh, the Zed Shell book. So lots of good resources. Of course, many presentations at many conferences. Uh, you've both have done many presentations and published lots of research and um it's amazing in the community when people want to share what they're learning. You know, we're all beginners somewhere on the path, and uh, sharing what we learn is is not like uh, putting your super expert hat on. It's like this is where I am in the in my journey, and I'd love to share. And um, that's why the community is is so awesome. Chaba, have you learned a lot in the last two years? Oh, a lot. Yes, <laughs> yes. Especially that uh, I get into the Mac, which was kind of unknown to me before. Like I had a Mac from 2015, but I always I always was a user. I never started looking to, hey, how does it work? How can I hack it? Whatever. But uh, I learned a lot uh, in the past two years. You were saying you were uh, borrowing a lot of uh, code and looking at uh, Patrick Wardle's uh, open source uh, software that he's published, and that was helping you. In, you were making that Shield app um, that you published. Uh. Yes. Actually, the way I get into Mac, it's, it started with watching one of Patrick's presentations about Dilip hijacking two years ago. And and that then, then it slowly started and, and escalated pretty quickly for a almost full-time Mac security <laughs> stuff. And and yes, for the Shield app, I also used his source codes from the Objective-C uh, GitHub repo. I'm not a developer, really. I never was. But I also find that developing or writing some basic software for uh, whatever you research, it helps a lot to understand how things work. So, so I started to get to this habit of writing small piece of software to learn about stuff, how stuff work. It helps a lot. Having uh, attended uh, Objective by the Sea with uh, JD on a couple of occasions, uh, it's definitely uh, awe-inspiring and overwhelming very quickly when you see these awesome researchers and how far they go to uh, 
to uh, get into uh, certain places. It's amazing how they can reverse engineer or take things apart and uh, uh, always amazing and inspiring. Um, I think Armin will know that uh, most sysadmins, we, we end up writing code just to get things done. You uh, end up writing Installimator because there wasn't any other software out there to install software already, so you had to build your own, right? <laughs> well, I don't think that's quite true. I, I started writing Installimator because there were so many different scripts out there that more or less did the same thing. And, and I think none of them did it in the way that of course, I wanted to, because when we start out, that's the first customer, yourself. So, yeah, we, I found that that in the um, re Apple reseller and consulting company I worked at that time, we had nine different scripts that downloaded something and installed it. And oh, I, none of them actually checked what they downloaded, which was my major peeve. And I'm like, well, we can't just blindly download something from somewhere in the web. I mean, yes, I, I hope that Microsoft.com is actually what it says it is, but who knows that for sure. But if it's on the internet, it has to be true, right? Yeah, right. It works, right? Look, Office launches. Everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's how Installimator started. And at, at first, uh, uh, once I, I figured out, hey, we can we can abstract this, we can make this generalized, and then a, a coworker and I, we were just like, hey, we can add this, and we can add this, and look how easy it is. We can we can add so many. When we um, when I published it first, I had like forty eight applications that it knew how to download and install. And since I've open sourced it, um, people have been contributing in an amazing rate. And we're at more than 250 right now. And people are adding uh, stuff every day. Um, so it's, it's a neat script. It automates things. Um, it's not for everybody, obviously, because it downloads and installs the latest version from the internet. Not everybody wants to deploy that way. But if you do want to deploy that way, it works fine. I mean, uh, in the macOS open source Mac DevOps, Mac admins world. A lot of people are familiar with Monkey, maybe. It's an open source project started by Greg at Disney. Um, there's also commercial software like Jamf or lots of other versions of software. But I think Monkey was started because uh, Greg's employer didn't want to buy Jamf or Greg needed a project to work on and learn Python. So uh, <laughs> there, there, there was born Monkey and then people jumped in on it. And uh, Greg, uh, to his credit, is still uh, manning the Slack booth. I mean, the Slack channel, helping people learn and how to use this. But Setting up Monkey requires setting up a web server, and it was the inspiration for my Quick Talk last year. It's just a web server, but even though you, it's just a web server, it still involves a little bit of setup. And so there was a motivation on your side, Armin, to set up something different. You're like, I don't want to set up a Monkey server or a Jamf server. I just want to have something that can run on my client's site, and they can just get the latest software for a quick setup. I think that was your motivation. Was that? Well, the initial motivation was actually to use it with Jamf. Mm -hmm. So that's that's why it's a bit uh, it's a bit weird because it is a single and by now massive script of more than three thousand lines oh, because all the two hundred and fifty applications that I just mentioned are in that single script, uh. but I wanted it to be that way so I can just copy and paste that script and paste it in that field in Jamf um, and and I don't have to worry about installing anything locally. I just paste it in that field in Jamf, and then I create a Jamf policy and say, install 
Firefox or Chrome. It's always Firefox in the example, right? But, you know, any of these, and, and the script will install that on the client. That's, that's why we made it a single script. It was planned to... Originally, we made it work with Jamf, but very early I said, you know, if I just keep it a bit more general in a few places, um, people will be able to use it with other management systems. And people have been using it with Mozile and Intune, uh, no, Microsoft Endpoint Manager, whatever they call it right now. So various MDM systems? You're... Yeah. And um, that's that's why it's it's not just Jamf anymore. And because these different MDM systems push and deploy scripts differently, um, that now has a package installer and things like that, which confused some people because, yeah, when you use it with Jam for certain management systems, you don't need the installer. But it's there for those management systems that where you can't copy and paste scripts so easily. Nice, nice. So you haven't gotten to a, uh, a an inception point where it just downloads itself from the internet and checks itself and then runs? I haven't actually checked if someone has added that yet, but I'm technically it should be possible. I mean, it's always <laughs> fun when I can push out a new version of Monkey with Monkey, and then Monkey updates itself. So you know that's nice. But I mean, I hope you're taking notes, Chaba, because these are new places for you to exploit. All 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 sysadmin <laughs> software should be uh, exploitable. So we need a nice red teamer, blue teamer, one of these teams to help us. Which team is the one helping us, Chaba? We got so many different acronyms and terms in security and when as soon as you narrowly go out of your domain someone's mentioning jamf and monkey over here and someone's mentioning blue team and red team and i just had to look it up on wiki again i was like what <laughs> the red team are bad red team are the offensive people uh no they're not offensive they're just the attackers i explain explain this chaba are you helping us <laughs> yeah so and then you have purple when you mix these teams <laughs> oh no <laughs> So yeah, basically, basically a red team is usually doing uh, adversary simulation. Uh, so yeah, they are trying to attack your environment. And then the blue team is the one who is trying to protect the environment and catch all the intruders and the red team. Uh, so basically both team helping you, both teams are helping you uh, because the red team can find uh, stuff that you maybe you didn't know about. And and actually one one of the purposes of having a red team, which is commonly forgotten, is actually to improve the blue team because they play some attack and then later on they can or the two teams can sit together and see what the blue team found from the red team activity. And then if they didn't find something, then the blue team can improve uh, to add some detection to their toolkit. So one of uh, red teamers said that the success of the red team is measured by the success of the blue team, which I think is 100% true. Um, so these two teams should really work together and collaborate. Uh, unfortunately, I, I heard here stories when when this collaboration is missing and the two teams are kind of treating each other as I wouldn't say enemy, but definitely not not collaborating. So yeah, uh, both team. And then if they work together, then it's purple. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, 
I, I love the colors. Uh, it's great. Uh, as long as people are working together and uh, not trying to score uh, political points against each other, it's great when the community works together and when you can see uh, other security researchers or other sysadmins helping each other on Twitter, like somebody posted recently of another launch agent sort of funny uh, hack. Did you, uh, you know the one I'm talking about, Jabba, where somebody uh, was saying, oh, if you in- use Homebrew to install something and it messes up your uh, permissions on user local bin, uh, which is one of the reasons I think Homebrew has always had a had a long-standing problem with that. They always say a sysadmin is almost worse than a you know a malware attacker. So sysadmins could have done this as well. But if you have the bad permissions and you can say they use the example of OS Query, just replace OS Query, this open source uh, threat detection software, just replace it, and then once uh, the machine reboots, the launch agent will just run it as root and uh, very clever. <laughs> yes, yes, it's it's very true. That's an issue and. And actually, this goes into a territory that I don't want to touch now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I see. Uh, maybe we're waiting to hear back from somebody about something. Okay, yes. Uh, yeah, it's a, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, a lot of good territory for mining there for sure. Um, and I, I see this in a sort of a related field a lot of times with Monkey Report or Monkey or this just a web server type software where people are like, I can't get Monkey to run or Monkey Report, so I'm just going to change mod, you know, change the permissions on this entire web directory so that everyone owns everything. And, you know, I'm just like, ah, if this is a server that's exposed to the outside world and you're just opening up the permissions for more than just the whatever the web user is, if it's www or HTTPD or whatever... That is a huge security hole now that you're, you know, and, and if, if this is monkey, for example, and you're delivering files with that and you can just, you're making it, you know, read writable to everybody instead of just read only, then they could just replace your software. And then now you're deploying malicious software and you're doing, you know, a, a supply line attack, you know, basically on your, your delivery. And uh, that's always been a nightmare of mine is that I can automate a lot of bad software to my entire fleet, uh, you know, and certainly something that I, I hope I never have to uh, back out of. <laughs> have, has anybody hacked on Installmator yet, Armin, and filed a security report? Not yet. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm scared that this will be taken as a challenge. But <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a hack night for us. Yeah, well... No, I, 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 would, I would actually welcome that. I mean, I, I had the, the notion that we have to check what we download uh, was built into that script from the very beginning because most other download something and install it scripts don't do that because it can be very difficult. And the solution I came up with was, well, I'll just pass it through Gatekeeper. I, I use the same check. I use SPCTL, the command line equivalent of Gatekeeper, to verify the download. And if Gatekeeper says, hey, this is okay, well, that's probably not perfect, but it's as good as any user downloading it. And you know, most admins download something from the vendor's web server and if gatekeeper says it's okay that's all the verification they do because you know we have other things to do as well i'm not blaming them we have other things to do than that so the gatekeeper check is very useful it tells me if somebody injects a wrong certificate if it's signed by somebody else than i expect it should be signed with and it tells me if it was tempered with since it was signed so it's a fairly basic check, but it's more than most other things do. That said, I'm sure it's not perfect because what is? I, I'd be open for anything infallible? for pull requests. <laughs> no, <laughs> come on. 
But these are, uh, I mean, this uh, this is my dream for for Hack Night is having some security researchers hack on some you know open source projects. Uh, I would love that. Um, Mac Stadium, a sponsor of the conference, has uh, kindly offered to provide uh, several instances of Mac Minis uh, M1s and in Intel for us to to use uh, to do some hacking, testing, um, or anything we need for our hack night, which will last probably actually a couple of weeks. I'm going to start it early and get people, some teams started on some stuff. But it's amazing what we can get together and, and do uh, when people are working on some projects and putting their perspectives uh, to, to good use. Everyone's got a different perspective. What color will the teams be, Matt? Green. I think they'll, I think they'll have to be sort of red, <laughs> yellow, orange uh, teams. Uh, okay, to match our logo this this year. Yeah, we sort of went with uh, dumpster <laughs> fire colors. Like the world is on fire. Everything is red. A shout out to Ted who designed our logo uh, so many years ago, seven years ago, and we made variations of it. And anybody who uh, who knows which color was which year of which conference gets a absolutely awesome prize because there's no dates on the shirts, just a different color. So uh, it's a list of airport codes. There's a secret QR code somewhere. Now. <laughs> Armin, we're looking forward to your talk coming up in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Yes, I, I do have to do the mental math. So for a moment, I had to think about, wait, which one was it for Mac DevOps? But yes, no, I, I have a great presentation lined up. 15-minute talk. I, I like that length. That was a new challenge for me because usually I do longer talks. And I thought, 15 minutes, that'll be easy. It, it's actually quite hard to get something down into 15 minutes. It's deceptive. Uh, we were definitely, and by we, I mean me, I was inspired by DevOps days and the five-minute talks. I didn't like it being so quick, but I do like the idea of having a short talk to inspire people. And to be honest, everyone's attention spans are very difficult these days. And, and even in a conference, sitting there listening to an hour talk, uh, it can be difficult. And sometimes with a one-track, uh, single-track conference, there's so many different topics, it's hard. Uh, so I find five-minute talks, one good idea. 15-minute talk, two good ideas. 30-minute talk, three good ideas, you know, so... It, it's, S it's says the guy who's never actually written a, a presentation for a 15 minute talk. <laughs> yeah, no, I, this is a brand new thing that we're trying. And, and, and just like my monkey deployment, I only test in production. Never been tested before. 15 minute talks at Mac DevOps. Is it going to be a success? Stay tuned. Luckily, we have some great speakers like these yeah. two gentlemen. We've heard them do hour long talks. So we said 15 minutes is all you get. <laughs> Um, no, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for stepping up to the challenge. Uh, Chaba, we're looking forward to your talk. Uh, we uh, want you uh, to encourage all your security brothers and sisters and everybody in the community to help the open source Mac com community. Uh, we're building tools sometimes very quickly and sometimes very iteratively and trying to make them better. Um, security um, needs to help us because <laughs> uh, we need all the help we can get sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope it will inspire people further. And it will be also a very condensed talk. It's like 25 minutes. And then, so I wrote about like, I want to talk about these, 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 and these topics. And then I started to make my presentation and I realized in 25 minutes, that will be a challenge. <laughs> talk fast. 
But yeah. well, we're, we're trying <laughs> yeah. to leave time for a Q&A. And so the, the format for the conference that we developed last year, as we'd never done it in Discord before, um, what we did was that we had it live streamed and then we jumped into a audio Q&A channel. So basically leave some stuff for the discussion and then we'll have a live Q&A. Hopefully, you know, um, time zones permitted with everybody uh, being live. We can jump in and discuss the topic that was uh, just presented. So that makes it super fun and almost more more easier than in person. In person, you have to stand up and put your hand and try to ask a question. But in, in Discord, it was a little bit easier to ask questions. And um, I found it uh, worked pretty well, um, thanks to JD and his amazing Discord wrangling last year. And what surprises do you have for us uh, this year, JD? Oh, we are bringing on the bots. And that's all I can say about that. <laughs> my 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 daughters gave me a huge list of bots that we're supposed to set up for our Discord, and I was like, "No, we we have one bot." And they're like, "No, no, you need this bot, and you need this one." And I'm no, like, "Dad, you no, only no. have one bot." Like, so so about that whole security thing, having multiple <laughs> bots, <laughs> bad bad idea. Yeah, no, no, no. We have one bot. The bot's name is Dogwood, yes. which happens to be the, uh, don't, the. Don't say it! Don't say it! Don't say it! Why is the Bot named Dogwood. Ah, yes. Tweet at us. Let us know. Why is why is the bot named Dogwood? Bots. Look forward to these bots. Bots also, automation. It's going to be a fun conference. We're looking forward to it. Hopefully one day we'll welcome you both in Vancouver, uh, Canada, when it's safe to do so. I hope... Um, it is on my list. Pacific Northwest. I, I haven't been in a long time, and I definitely want to go back. Kaba, it would be nice to see you out here. You, have you been out this way before? Not in Vancouver, but I wish I would. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. If I if I go, I will stay on your conference and then do sightseeing later. Uh, lots of great sightseeing and lots of hiking. I love your uh, hiking photos, Chaba. Um, I feel like I'm right there with you when you're doing these long hikes. I mean, I'm I'm a lot less tired than you are, but uh... yeah, I, I love hiking, and yeah, especially because of this, visiting Vancouver would be really really nice. We're surrounded by nature here, so lots of mountains and lots of hiking, and there's the ocean. Did I mention the ocean? It's really nice. The seawall's a lot of fun. The seawall, yeah, biking. The, the, they've been making the, the city much much friendlier to biking, and so you can bike around, walk around. and. But see, you just mentioned hills and mountains and biking. I, I don't think those go together very well. <laughs> no, we're, we're surrounded. We're surrounded by a protective layer of mountains, and there's a. We're we're on the coast. We're literally on the ocean. So there's lots of flat, but yeah, there's there's a few hills around, but uh, <laughs> not quite San Francisco ridiculous hills. Uh, but we have a few hills, but they're kind of yeah, fun to go up. One of the reasons the Netherlands are so biking is so popular is the lack of hills and. <laughs> <laughs> really, you can't say it otherwise. It's it's the the literal flat as a pancake country. But when you're biking, that is very very nice. I from where I live, I can bike to the ocean, and it's uphill. Oh, so it's all downhill going home. <laughs> yes. Uh, in, in, in French, you know, they call it les pays bas. So you know, the low country. Yes. You know, so um, it's def- very literal. I, I thought they were just enlightened people, Armin. You've really shattered my uh, <laughs> my conception. Oh, no, they, they are, of course, wonderful and enlightened and, and also very Dutch. I, I really maybe don't want to talk more about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving right along. Uh, yes, we're all very enlightened people, and we're going to get through this pandemic, and uh, we're going to help each other as a community, and uh, I really appreciate you um, spending time. Um, Chaba, one final question for you. 
What do you think that sysadmins, Mac IT, need to learn from security? What's the one thing? Ooh, that's hard. That's hard. Don't disable security features. <laughs> Don't disable the security features. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's safe to go with the basics on that one. Yeah, any uh, blog post that says, uh, you know, undo SIP, unless you're like, you know, in a very protective, secure environment for testing, then um, probably not a good idea. Yeah, I, I actually run into frequent posts that, uh, posts that say, if you disable SIP, disable that, disable that, hey, it, it will start working. Yes. And it's not just for Mac. I saw it for Windows or, or other stuff as well. So it's not not unique. Uh, I remember uh, at my previous company, the sysadmins were really creative in, in doing password resets on, on servers and leaving backdoors <laughs> there with messing up with security features. So maybe uh, stop and think before you disable all these security features. Armin? Do you think there's uh, something sysadmins need to know in security or other? What's the one thing that you think the... If it seems easy, you're probably doing it wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I always find that if I hack something together and it, I'm like, oh, this was easy, it's great, then I, I'm, I'm quite certain it will be, uh, I will be revisiting it a few weeks or months later because I, I oversaw, missed something really serious. Which, you know, that, that's how things are. It's, it's iterative. You start with something simple and then you, you actually make it work properly. Nice. Security uh, of all things uh, in all, from all angles is important these days. And protect, protect yourself, protect your files, protect your clients, protect your data. <laughs> Do whatever you can. Uh, multiple, multiple protections. And check those downloads, right, Armin? Check... <laughs> yes, check what you're doing. I mean, I, I, I definitely wouldn't call myself a security person, but in the past few years, I have been more and more involved with security um, because it's just such an important aspect of, of what we do. Chaba, how do we reach you on the internet, my friend? You can find me on, on Twitter on through the nickname The Evil Bit. This is a nickname coming from an RFC which was an April Fool's joke. I, I can't recall the number, but basically it was about that the IPv4 header has a single bit that is not being used, and they proposed it to use it as a security or the evil bit. And if your traffic is malicious, then just mark it as one so it can be easily detected. And if it's not, then leave it as zero. And it was proposed as the security or the evil bit in the IPv4 header. It was an April Fool's joke. It's still out there. Uh, I, I can't recall the number. But it's a really fun RFC. Nice, nice. Armin, how do we reach you on the internet? Well, I am scripting OS X or scripting OS X on Twitter in the Mac Admin Slack and on my website, scripting OS X or scriptingOS10.com. Awesome. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us, Armin. You're a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful person. Thank you for having me. Chaba, thank you so much for getting up super early and delighting us with your hiking stories. Thank you for having me. It was a very good uh, wake-up call. 
The Mac DevOps YVR Conference and Podcast is looking for sponsors. Support and encourage developers and IT to work together to solve problems for our community by sponsoring Mac DevOps. If you're interested in sponsoring the Mac DevOps YVR Conference and Podcast, send an email to hello at mdoyvr.com. Thank you to our awesome Mac DevOps sponsors. This year for Mac DevOps 2021, our platinum sponsor is Mac Stadium. Thank you so much. They are also sponsoring our Hack Night. This year, a new sponsor, our gold sponsor, Swiss Flow AG with their Mac Bare Metal instance. Awesome. Thank you so much. Our silver sponsor is Simple MDM. Thank you, Taylor. You are amazing. We couldn't do this conference without our sponsors. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today for the Mac DevOps podcast. Thank you to our guests and thank you to our co-hosts. Today's episode was edited by JD Strong. Please like and share this podcast on your favorite podcast service. I have a real problem with authority. I have a real problem with scripts. And I have a real problem with organized people. That's why JD is awesome. And he's very organized. He always has a script.